Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest. Not only is Samantha Landy one of my best friends, but I'm beyond proud of her for taking her passion, working incredibly hard, and turning it into a full-time freelance career. We're going to get into it all in just a few minutes. But before I introduce you, in today's episode, we talk a lot about the importance of your network. As you continue to learn and grow your own business, I invite you to join me in my new exclusive group, Founder Confidential. From exclusive podcast content, ebooks, and monthly Zoom lessons with Q&A, plus a Facebook group where you can connect with other founders, we'll cover various topics on founding, growing, and selling a business. From time to time, I'll bring on special guests and more. Click the link in my show notes. We're kicking off in April. So Samantha Landy, today's guest, is not only one of my closest friends, but she is a true inspiration to me and to so many others. Samantha is someone who took her passion for writing and figured out how to turn it into a successful career. And while this didn't happen overnight, Samantha is now a freelance writer and a content creator. Her work has appeared in national publications like Real Simple, All Recipes, Food Network, AARP, and she's also created content for well-known brands like Peloton, Kroger, and Marriott. Today, we talk all about how to start your freelance career. This is a jam-packed and incredibly informative episode. I cannot wait for you to meet my best friend, Samantha Landy. Sammy, you did something that I a lot, a lot of women want to do, and that is you left your corporate job to pursue a passion of yours, which was writing, and you made a career out of it. And um, I'm going to not so shamelessly plug you right now, but like you are, I mean, you are my, one of my best friends and I am proud of you every single day for what you've done, because it just takes a lot to make that leap and to take that chance. And I mean, you left a very secure job in a very secure industry. You were in healthcare, but you weren't happy. And, and I know you weren't happy. And it was really when you started writing kind of just on the side that that spark and that fire was like lit inside you. And you were like, I knew, I know I need to do this. So I want you to kind of walk us through what that process was and how you, how you made that leap to where you are today. Sure. Sure. So like you said, I was, I was doing a account management at a healthcare firm. I had been at one where I was happy and felt like I was, you know, doing creative stuff. And then I went to another firm and it was data driven and I lost any sense of sort of that, you know, qualitative piece of me, that creative piece of me. So um, when Eater had launched in Chicago, I read it and I was like, this is cool. <clears throat> I sent in a tip, not thinking that anything, but like, oh, I want to be a part of this, you know, tell them something. The editor wrote me back, 
thanks. And I wrote back, do you need writers? And he's like, who are you? Are you published? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, I was an English major in college, but that's all I have to offer you. And he wrote back, okay, you know, give me a couple samples and we'll go from there. So did that, ended up writing for them. Um, just on the side, still kept my corporate job, had kids. Um, and then I decided after I had done that for a while, I'd picked up another outlet that I started writing for that I wanted to try to do this freelance, but I was really making no money. I was still a very junior, right? I was making money at the corporate job, making no money as a writer. I was still considered to be a very junior writer. Um, but it was, it was that passion. I talked to, I talked to my husband and we decided I could, I would try it for a year and see what happens. And if the writing thing didn't work out for me, I would go back into healthcare. And seven years later, uh, I'm still freelancing. <laughs> so what was it that made you ask, do you need a writer? You know what? I, I can't even tell you. It was like, I, I don't know if it was like, I don't know this person. I'm on email. Like, let's just see what happens. They probably won't write back. But I, it, there was just something where I was like, okay. And it was like, it was really a gut reaction. It wasn't like I sat down and thought about it. I really didn't think I was going to be like, you know, I thought I'd maybe write something here or there. I didn't think I'd end up like becoming their associate editor, but I, yeah, I don't know. It was just something inside me that was like, let's just go see where this goes. I very vividly remember after you sent that email and you called me and you were like, oh my God, I'm going to write for Eater. And it, it, I remember how excited you were. And it was probably the first time in a long time that you were excited about something that that you were going to do yeah. um, work-wise. I mean, really and truly. I, and I, I very vividly remember how excited you were. And so when you started writing for them, I mean, how, like what took place? How did that happen? So you start writing for Eater. What is, what is that? What does that look like? Yeah. So I, I mean, I knew not nothing, right? Like I was, I was like, I had to make it up as I went along. I mean, the thing about Eater was it was a lot of breaking news that you needed to sort of be in, have, you know, inside, inside baseball, if you would like have relationships with chefs, know things. And I knew none of that. I I mean, I liked food, but that was about the extent of it. So I really spent my time doing what I knew that the editor wouldn't do, which was like looking up permits of like, you know, who was, who was doing construction permits for getting new restaurants and like really putting my feet on the ground, like asking any friends who had friends who might be opening restaurants. And that's actually how I got my first story was a friend I worked with in healthcare had a friend who was opening a, a breakfast spot. And I was like, great, now I have the story. So it was a really like boots to the ground. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out as I go along. And you were so resourceful. I remember you would call me and you would say, guess what's going into this storefront. And you, I mean, it was so smart how you really, you were very resourceful. You were very smart about how you got your news and you wanted to break the story. And I, and that is kind of what took you to the next level because eventually you became the associate editor for Eater. Yeah. Was that before or after you left to do this full time? It was before it was before. So I was doing it. I was still working full time. And then I was associate editor on the side. And I felt like I was like a spy living, a, living a double life that I didn't want my other job to, uh, to find out. So yeah, I was, I was doing that. And then, um, added in, uh, splash and food network before I left to go full time. And so then when you left to go full time, like 
first of all, talk about the moment where you quit, because I think that everyone kind of has those visions about how am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? What is the right time? And it's really scary. You and I have both been there and it's really scary. So first I want you to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I replay that in my head every night. And of course it, it never ends up how you think it's going to go in your head. You know, you have this whole thing, how you're going to say it, when you're going to do it. And um, I had just had my second kid. I had come back from maternity leave. I knew during maternity leave that I wasn't coming back, but I had a boss who, you know, who didn't have kids, who didn't understand, who asked me prior to going on maternity leave, like, oh, are you coming back? You know, things she probably should have never said. And, um, you know, she told me the minute I got back that I was going to have to start traveling again. And I, I knew that that wasn't something I was doing. So, um, you know, we had our weekly check-in. Of course, it got canceled a million times. I know you've been there where, you know, you're you're prepared and they're like, oh, I have something else. And so, yeah, we just had a weekly check-in. And I, I said I was leaving to, I didn't tell her I was leaving to write. I told her I was leaving to figure out what was next. I had just had my second kid and, you know, I needed to figure it out from there. I think I was nervous because this is a job where I'm published and, you know, you can Google me and find a million things that uh, she could somehow go back and be like, well, you were doing, you know, you were doing this and and not doing your job. So for that, I sort of was like, I'm going to be with my kids. And that, that's the end of but the you story. You weren't doing anything wrong. You had a side hustle. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just had the fear that somehow this could be turned around on me. Okay. So it's day one of you at home, freelance writing. What is, what is that like? What happens? Yeah. So now I'm panicked, right? I mean, I do, I am still writing for, I am still writing for Eater and it's fine. I am writing, you know, for Splash, which local publication, but like once a month. And I was writing for City Eats, which eventually turned into into Food Network, and I would do some restaurant reviews, but like that was it. And I had a baby at home, and I was like, I, like if I'm gonna do this, I have to actually like make money doing this. Like writing, you know, three or four articles a month, like isn't that? So like I just started like really researching other publications and you know reaching out to people I didn't know and just trying to figure out like how how am I gonna make this work. When you started, how did you know what to say when you reached out and what did you say? Yeah, I didn't know what to say. I signed up for like a lot of, I, I did a lot of research on like, there's a lot of like content platforms that take writers. So I, I spent a lot of time like putting portfolios up and looking at other food sites and trying to, you know, meet with other writers to see if they had other writers I could meet with and things like that. So no, I, I mean, I, it was definitely in the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like if I look back even on pitches that I wrote back then, or even writing that I did back then, I, I mean, it is not even comparable to. But don't you find that so many of the people we know, I mean, you and I share a lot of friends and we, we know we have a lot of people in common, but don't you find that that's a really common trait amongst the people that we know who work for themselves is like, no one really knows what they're doing. Yeah. No one really knows what they're doing. But no one and, says it. Right. Oh, no one says it because then, right. Then you don't look like the, you know, you don't look like the professional, but I definitely didn't know what I was doing. And I was so lucky to have, you know, people who would help, you know, help me and, and help me to figure it out. But yeah, I mean, I, I was like, Hey, if one random email is going to work to get me into this business, like who's to say that another, you know, random email or connection isn't going to 
you know, be what continues to carry me on. Let's talk a little bit about those resources that you, that you kind of utilize. And I'd like for you to just kind of walk through which, what, what you found most helpful in terms of resources when you were getting this freelance business off the ground. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, to this day, I think people, you know, people are my best sort of resource. Um, you know, you never know who knows someone else, right? Like you never know who could be the person that's going to connect you. Um, so that was a big thing for me. I mean, I ended up writing for Food Network later on because I wrote for this City Eats, which was like almost like a, not like a Groupon, but sort of a coupon to dine out. And I did, you know, sort of reviews for them. And the editor from New York was coming in and was doing a brunch on a Sunday and not one other writer showed up for that brunch. And it turned out that later on, she became my Food Network editor and she's now over at Mattress Firm and I still write for her, but I showed up and I made a relationship. And I think, you know, I I really think for all of the, you know, resources that I use people, people and getting connections to other people is, is the way to do it, you know, in the beginning and even now. Where do you, where do you think if someone's starting out, where are good places for people to look for people within their industry? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is, you know, LinkedIn is always a great source, but like send an email to your friends. Like everybody has their sort of core group of friends. Like you don't know what friend might know another friend. Like it's amazing how, like how small this world is, like once you start poking in. And so like, Sending emails to friends have gotten me connected to, you know, to sources for articles, to other jobs, to things like that. I would say just like, you know, send that email um, and then just sort of start poking around. Like it's it's pretty easy to Google and find a lot of people in whatever industry that you're in. Like if you, you know, send that random email, you know, even start with your friends. I would definitely start with your network. But don't be afraid to send a random email. Maybe you won't get a response, but maybe you will. And you never know who's on the other side of that computer, right? Like, right, right. It could be someone like me who sent that random email. It could, you know, it could be someone who's willing to take the chance, right? right? Right. So it's been seven years since you started and you have this awesome freelance career and your work is amazing, but where are you today? Like, what do you, what, what does this look like today? What has this turned into? Yeah. So now, um, you know, I, I'm still, I still hustle is always part of having your own business that that part's never going to go away, but I'm at the point where I pitch to people, but people also come to me with work, which is, is a nice thing to have. I, I know that, you know, in the beginning I started my month with zero and now I don't do that. Now I know that I have some people who are coming, some publications coming to me with work, some publications, if I sent them an idea, I'm pretty sure it would be accepted. Um, and then I'm also doing a lot of stuff for for various brands um, as well, some content for them too. So it's, yeah, it's it's way more than I ever thought it would be when I first, you know, first sent that email back in the day. Well, and talk about, because you just said something that was, that's interesting. Like you said, I know that I can send some pitches to people and they'll be accepted. Well, that's because of the relationships that you've built and you said at the top of this, how important relationships are. So I like, I would love for you to give some examples of where some of your relationships have taken you. And some, I want you to share some of the work that you're doing because it's really impressive. And I want people to understand that one, this didn't happen overnight, but two, look at this career that you've built and some of the work that you've been able to do. I want you to talk about what you're doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. So remember I talked about that really, that showing up to that brunch in the beginning where I was the only person and it was super awkward, but that relationship turned into my food network editor who worked with another editor, um, named Sarah, who moved over to TLC. So yes, the television channel, um, they had, they do some content and she had me start doing some content for, for them. She's super easy to work with. I worked with her at Food Network. She knew my work um, and recently gave me my own column. So they're going through some changes over there um, in which they'll sort of merge some sites and have some big things coming. So with that, um, she increased the budget for what I can do for them um, and then gave me a weekly column. So now I get to sort of have free reign on talking about things that have helped me um, as a parent. So it could be, you know, it could be a product. It could be a, you know, someone I found on Instagram that I, you know, gave good advice. It can be a therapist. It can be, you know, it can be literally anything I want it to be, which is as a writer, um, it's so nice to sort of have the bandwidth to do, you know, do whatever that is. Um, so that was definitely a relationship building. Um, but I still send those random emails. You know, I love Peloton and I wanted to write for Peloton and I reached out to them in July of last year. I sent an email to uh, info at, you know, nothing, no, no person. And I got a response back that said, Hey, we do use freelancers, but we don't need any right now. Like I'll check back in with you when we're ready to onboard. And that was it. I followed back up in January and, um, uh, day later, an editor wrote me and she said, let's, let's get you onboarded. Let's have you write for us. So I think that we were so excited about that. Oh my God. I was so we really thought you were going to get to meet Jen Sherman, but (laughs) yes, yes. But I followed Jen Sherman's advice, right? Just, just fucking do it. And I did, I sent this random email and it worked out. So I think that, you know, I, I think as you get bigger and busier and more established, like, I think you still shouldn't be afraid to sort of like, you know, find those things that are maybe the next goal for you or sending those random emails. I mean, clearly it worked for me in the beginning. Why not now? And the other thing that I love that you've done with your business is you've really expanded the kind of writing that you do. So you're not just writing for consumer publications. I know right now it's almost the holidays. And by the time people hear this, the holidays will be over. But in the moment, we were just talking about you are knee deep and neck deep in gift guides. And that's kind of what you're working on. But you've also expanded the kind of business, the kind of writing that you're doing. You're doing a lot of B2B. Yeah. Yeah. So doing, yeah, definitely doing a lot of B2B and, and doing a lot beyond what I, you know, what my original scope was, right? Like I started with restaurants. That was my niche. Everyone's like, find a niche, get good at it. And then like, kind of go from there. So, you know, I, I thought about other things that maybe I was good at. So like, obviously how I came from the healthcare world, like why shouldn't I be writing about healthcare? Like I speak that language, like that should be easy for me. Like, yeah, doing more B2B type of stuff, writing more for different, um, different companies. And and now, you know, a lot of things are relating back to sort of products and affiliate. And so I, I do a lot of stuff in the kitchen because I test recipe, you know, I have to do a lot of food stuff. So I was like, why shouldn't I be testing kitchen products? So I think I sort of realized in order to really make money and to really sort of be more than just, you know, a freelance food writer, like I did, I needed to expand uh, what I was doing and then also my skill set, and, you know, keep learning other things to make myself sort of valuable. So you just said something that I want to touch on because I know everyone's kind of wondering and, and thinking to themselves, well, like, did she really replace her income? How, like, is she making money from doing this? And 
obviously I, I don't want you to say how much or what you charge or what your rates are, but I really want you to touch upon how you've been able to turn this into a lucrative career for yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, I have, I, I am, I am making a, you know, I am making a full-time salary. The one thing I do have to say about freelance, that's obviously different from a corporate job is my months are not, you know, I'm not getting every, you know, every two weeks, the, a paycheck of the same amount of money. There's months where I'm making a ton of money and doing a ton of stuff. And there's other months that are sort of less, um, you know, there are certain, certain jobs I take where I'm, you know, charging a higher rate than others. There's others when I'm, you know, getting the nature of, you know, writing for publications is oftentimes I am, you know, being told an amount that I will negotiate, but absolutely it, it wasn't this way. And, you know, year one, two or three, but I, I am certainly making uh, enough money that I am have it, have a full-time job. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. And then let's talk about the non-monetary part of your of your work, because you have some great work perks. Yes. And, and I also think that you know, it's, it's important, you know, we're going to talk in a minute. I'm going to, I want to talk to you in a little bit about like balance and, and kind of those, those perks, like the the personal perks, but I want you to talk about the really fun perks, because I think a lot of times people don't realize that sometimes these, these little things that come along with your job, when you make it your own are sometimes worth just as much as a paycheck. I mean, I can speak to that from Bump Club. Like I never paid for a single thing for my babies, like strollers, car seats, crib mattresses, classes. I mean, people really gave me everything. Like our companies that we worked with gave me everything. You have very similar perks. Talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, um, when I was doing more restaurant writing and still to this day, I mean, I generally get to try, you know, try amazing restaurants right when they're opening, even you get invited to everything. It's amazing. (laughs) I get invited to a lot of stuff. Um, I'm not in New York, so I don't get, you know, New York's a whole, whole other level aside from Chicago and things have obviously shifted a little bit with the pandemic, but yes, I get to try a lot. Um, and now that I'm doing, you know, a lot of product testing and a lot of consumer, um, 
consumer type stuff, I do. I get to try a lot of products. Um, I get to, you know, I, I have a lot of kit, a lot of stuff in my kitchen. I try a lot of a lot of new food, a lot of new snacks. My my neighbors love me because they they, they get to uh, to benefit, and my friends from from a lot of the stuff. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's excessive, but yes, it's it's important to take into account when I'm doing a gift guide that may not, you know, pay as much, I am often getting a lot that is in the gift guide and, and feel very fortunate that there are a lot of things that, you know, I, I do not have to purchase that I get to get to try out. You know, it, it, it is a slippery slope a lot of times as a journalist, because I am not an influencer. I do have influence by what I write, but I do not accept product in exchange for writing about them. So if people want to send me product or send me to a restaurant, like I always have to make it crystal clear. Like this does not like equate inclusion in anything that I write. Like if I love your product, like I'm going to include it, but like, I am not like, I am not here to do something in exchange for a product. That was the next thing I wanted to ask you actually, is I, I, and I know you and I have endless conversations always about you know, the editorial process and how things have changed, especially like with affiliate marketing now. And there's just so many different factors that go into play. You are so good about, about including things that you like and that you believe in. And I'd really like for you to touch upon that, that process and kind of how you decide if something is or is not going to run. And also what do you do when you're not going to feature someone and you have this PR person breathing down your neck because, you know, for whatever reason, they think that you owe it to them to include their product in an article. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I actually, I just spoke on a, a panel to a bunch of PR people about this. Um, you know, there, a lot of people are like, well, how do I make my product stand out? How do I, you know, how do I get you to, to try it and things like that? And I, my philosophy is, if it's something that I've tried and I love it, I'm I'm likely not going to forget it, right? It may not be six, it may be six months, it may be a year. Like there's these cookies that I loved and I know I gave you one. It's Rebel Daughters Cookies, female-owned business out of, I think, Connecticut. I tried her cookies. I had no place for it now. I had, but then I had two places for it, you know, later on and have included her because I haven't forgot her product. And so I think that, um, especially with food, there's beautiful food pictures out there. It doesn't mean that your food tastes good. So like, I do want to try it so I can make, you know, I can make a great um, assessment on it, but there are products that I don't like or products that I feel like would be better if they had different cooking instructions or whatever it may be. Um, and I am honest, like I, I give honest feedback because I think that a lot of these are small businesses that could really, you know, could really use that feedback to improve their business, whether or not they, take my advice that that isn't up to me after I send it. But I, I am honest. There are times where I, I don't have the bandwidth to respond to every single email I get, especially this time of year. But if it's a product that I think has potential and I just don't like it, I will give the feedback. And that's the other thing that I love about you is that you do, you don't just say, I don't like it. You tell them why you tell them what they need to do. Sometimes it's packaging. Sometimes it's instructions. I remember the, there was a breakfast food that, that you were like, it's good, but it's like, takes a million years to cook. And like, I don't know who it's time to cook this for my kids. And it's such constructive, valid feedback. Yeah. And I'm guessing that people are really receptive to that. Most of the time. I mean, you know, people, right? There are people. The PR person probably more so than the 
brand owner. Yeah, exactly. There are people who are receptive to feedback. There are people who just say, sorry, you didn't like it and, and move on. And there's people who don't respond. So, I mean, I can only do so much. It's not something I have to do. Um, but if someone's going to ask me why something wasn't included, like I, I'm, I'd rather be honest than have someone continue to follow up when it's not something that, that will be a part of what I'm going to do. So in addition to like all of the fun stuff that you get, that all of your friends also get to reap the benefits of, because it's so amazing coming to your house. I will say for everyone who's listening, like, like you go to Sammy's house and like, you get to try all these like cheeses and wines and like, it's the best place for entertainment. But in addition to that, I think, you know, you have built a career that allows you exactly what you wanted in life, which was the flexibility to be with your kids. And so, yes, like you're getting paid a full-time salary. You get all these awesome perks and benefits and invitations, but let's talk about the intangibles because, you know, this isn't something that happened overnight. This is something you worked really hard for, but I think, I mean, you would agree it's paid off. I mean, absolutely. I, you know, the thing about working for yourself is, and you know, you, you never really stop working, but you can stop working when you need to stop working. Right. So like if I have a day where my kid needs to go to the orthodontist and then my other kid needs to go to speech and then they have something at night, like I can flex my hours. Like I'm on, I'm on deadlines. I have, you know, things that I, I need to get to people, but that's on, on my own me to figure out sort of where that fits in. So like, I don't have to be at my desk from nine to five. I can be at my desk from, you know, eight to eight to nine and then 11 to 12 and then three to four, if I need to, or whatever it may be, or I can work a 10 hour day and then not work the next day. So yeah, I am able to be really anywhere that I need to be for my kids, whether it's, you know, a performance or a doctor's appointment, or just taking the day off with them to, to do whatever. So it, it doesn't, it, it is a huge perk, but it, it comes with sort of time and understanding of, uh, it really comes with time management, right? Like I have to figure out how to make that schedule work every week. And, and that part's not work, but I, it has to fit into, you know, the overall schedule has to sort of all work together for me to be able to do that. What do you think the biggest challenges, um, in this life of yours as a freelancer? I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop and, and maybe that's just a personal thing, but you know, people move around all the time, publications close, businesses change direction. And even though I am not where I was when I first started, I always, every month I'm like, Oh my God, am I going to get work? What am I going to do? And it all works out every month. But I think that my biggest challenge is sort of, I sometimes default back to like imposter syndrome. Like I sometimes worry that like what I've built, like may, may fall or something may disappear that, you know, and I, and I have to fill it. And I think I get, I have that sort of internal fear every month, not every month, but a lot often. That's common. That's, I mean, that's a common theme that's come up in a lot of the interviews that I've been having for Dear Founder. And I think um, you know, we're all guilty of that. And it's, it's talked about in, you know, entrepreneurship classes and business classes. How do you, how do you dig yourself out of those moments? I mean, how do you really pull yourself out when you're feeling like, oh God, like I'm not going to make it, or I, I, I don't have any clients this month or where's, where's my next story going to come from? How do you get yourself out of that rut? 
Yeah. I mean, I think I first like take a look at say, you know, what I had, what I had sort of last month and know that, you know, like I said in the beginning, there are always those clients that I know that in, in a last minute I can pitch and have ideas. So I, sometimes I tend to go overboard and then I'm like, oh my God, let me pitch the world. So I do, I pitch sort of that low, those low hanging fruit clients that I know will respond to me at, at the very least. Um, and then, you know, I sort of think through, um, you know, what else I need to add in. So, um, you know, I, sometimes I go into panic mode and other times I can be more rational with myself and be like, you know, most of your assignments come within the month that it is. So you can't always, you know, sort of project forward. Um, and I try to calm down about it. And I try to realize that like, if I have one month that isn't great, like I can work to, I can take that time where I have less work to do to build up for, you know, for the next month or the next six months or the, you know, moving forward. So obviously like things have changed in the last seven years for you. I mean, like you, uh, you started this business as, you know, from the ground up and here you are, you are, you have a full book of clients and you are a very well-known writer on the scene but what has changed in the environment around you? Because I know that this is this is an ever-evolving process because of a lot of the changes that are happening in the media world. But I think a big change is a lot of businesses have become focused on content. And I have to say that a lot of the content that I do for businesses is sometimes the most interesting stories that I get to write. Like being able to share stories that relate back to the brand, but are still you know, real stories, um, you know, it's no human longer interest. Yeah. Human interest. Right. It's no longer that you have to turn to a publication who now, you know, is, ha has to have certain keywords and different things and shorter. And sometimes those best stories are read on, um, you know, read via companies or the blogs of companies. So like that I think for Peloton. I mean, it's constantly evolving. Um, you know, there, there used to be a lot of newsletters with like daily candy and tasting table and those went away. And I feel like now there's like sort of a pushback towards, towards more newsletters and less social and social, you know, it's like, it's always changing. There's, there's a lot of content and, you know, sort of what is King keeps, cha keeps changing. So speaking of newsletters, you just launched one yes. and and I think a, a lot of people can benefit from this newsletter. And, and I, I want you to touch upon two things with your newsletter. One, from a B2B standpoint, I think that it's an amazing marketing tool that you've developed. But two, from a consumer standpoint as well, you offer some great tips in your newsletter. So I'd love for you to kind of take us through that process and why you developed it and then what people can gain from it and why they should sign up for it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that I'm was sort of I'm in the point in my career where I am doing a lot. I can't, you know, there's an article of mine probably coming out at least weekly, if not sometimes daily. And I sort of wanted a place to one, be able to like to showcase some of what I've been working on. And I also get asked a lot by people who may be featured in my articles. When's this coming out? What's this doing? Um, and then a place to sort of get get new sources and get ideas, whether it be you know whether it be doctors or products or or whatever that. And then you know I think I've I've sort of learned a lot over the years in terms of like what are best best practices for lack of a better word. So I I kind of wanted a place where I could 
you know, speak my voice and not necessarily the voice of whatever publication or brand I'm writing for, where I could sort of start to share that and, and build, build this audience that I, that I already have, but that is sort of sporadic. So I decided to start this monthly newsletter, um, which shares, you know, some of the cool stuff that I'm trying or eating or doing, um, the articles that have been published, sort of what, um, what I'm looking for, and then a content tip, because I think that there are some really simple stuff out there that people just don't think about always. And, and I wanted to be able to provide that. So before I ask the last question, where can people sign up for the newsletter and we will publish it in the show notes, but I just want to make sure it's in here as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's a link that I will, uh, that I will send you. The link is also live on, um, on my Instagram and will be live by the time this goes live on, uh, on my other social media as well. And your Instagram is, uh, it is Samantha Landy. Okay. All right. So before we wrap up, the last thing I want to ask you is if someone were to come to you and say, okay, like I want to start a freelance career and this is what I want to do. And you've done so successfully, what would you tell them? what would be like the first three to five things that you would tell them like actionable steps that they can take to get this off the ground? Yeah. One, uh, you know, you need to, you need to show something for yourself. It doesn't matter if you've written for, you know, a publication like real simple, or you've just written for whatever a brand, a newspaper, a website, whatever it is like you need something to start to show for yourself. Cause everybody's always going to ask for some sort of clip and you need to have that. And that could be in writing or anything. I mean, that could be in graphic design. That could be in anything. In, right. In any freelance, you just need sort of, uh, it doesn't have to be a full-blown portfolio, but you need to be able to say, this is why, you know, I think you also need to do some research at you, you know, whether, right. Whether you're pitching yourself in anything, like you need to fake that, fake it till you make it or know the industry, know enough that you sound like, you know, enough. And so, I would definitely think that research um, and I, yeah. And I would say that start reaching to friends or, or people you used to work with and say, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about going out on my own, or I am going out on my own. You know, do you have anyone else I can connect with? I mean, having coffee or emailing with someone or doing a quick zoom, like you never know what it will lead to and, and realize that it may not lead to something tomorrow, but that person then may think of you in, you know, in six months or, or whatever, just like I would, you know, might think of a product. So yeah, I would say like, sort of do your research, um, you know, have something to stand on and then start connecting with people and, and sort of see where it goes. But um, I, I think it's always scary to take, to take the leap, but you just sort of focus on, on what you can control and the rest will sort of fall into place from there. Do you have any regrets, Sammy? I don't, I have zero regrets. Um, you know, it, it is hard. It is a lot of hustle. I think that people often see the perks and often see that I'm writing about cool things and don't sort of see the, how much, how hard I work and what I have to do, but I have zero regrets. I, I am doing something that I'm passionate about. So the hard work doesn't feel as much of work as it did when I was working a full time job, corporate job. Samantha Landy, thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, I know I'm going to see you in like probably 24 hours, but this was so fun because we never really, really get to kind of hash out our business. But um, I am so proud of you. You have really done, I think for a lot of people, what they think they can't do. And you are an example that they can. Um, you are so passionate about what you do. And I am so proud of you that you are able to show up every single day doing what you love and you're so happy. 
in your life. And that makes me so happy as one of your best friends. Um, but if you're looking for a writer, if you're looking for, you know, someone who can even write on your, your company's website. Um, Sammy is your girl, Samantha, and I'm calling her Sammy, but Samantha Landy, we will post her website and her social media in all of our show notes. Um, but it's just at Samantha Landy on Instagram. And thank you again so much for sharing your story with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is fun. If anyone had any questions about how to go out on their own, I think that Samantha has answered probably all of them. She had some amazing takeaways. And like I said, she is a true inspiration. So get out your pen and paper because you're going to want to take some notes. Number one, when starting a freelance career, research who you can do work for. Reach out to people you know and people you don't know and figure out how you're going to make this work. Number two, people are your best resource. You never know who knows someone else and you never know who's going to be the person who's going to connect you. So show up, make the relationships, people and getting connections to other people are the way to make it. Number three, send that random email. Don't be afraid. Maybe you won't get a response, but honestly, maybe you will. Number four, hustle is always a part of having your own business. That part will never go away. Number five, it's okay to expand your scope and what you're going to do and to learn new skills to make yourself marketable. Number six, you never really stop working when you work for yourself. But if you need to stop working, you can. You can flex your hours and make them work for you. That's the big bonus of being a freelancer. Number seven, an e-newsletter is a great tool for marketing your services and sharing your work. It serves multiple purposes. Look into how to get one started. Number eight, to be a freelancer, you need to have something to show for yourself. You need something to start to show what you have to offer. Have your why ready. Number nine, having coffee or emailing or Zooming with someone is really the way to go and you must do those things to start networking. You never know what those meetings might lead to. Number 10, start connecting with people and see where it goes. It's always scary to take the leap but focus on what you can control and the rest will fall into place. I cannot thank Sammy, as I call her, for being here today on another episode of Dear Found Her. I hope that you guys found this episode as informative as I did and as inspiring as I did. And I can't thank you enough for showing up and for being here and for joining us for this conversation. Make sure you follow at Lindsay Pinchuk and at Dear Founder on Instagram. You can also go to lindsaypinchuk.com slash freebie to download some of my free guides, tools, and resources for starting a business and for managing your social media. We have some amazing guests on the podcast coming up. It's International Women's Month. We're talking about women who are making history. So please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify wherever or wherever you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Samantha or who has started a business or who has an amazing idea, make sure to text them this episode or post it in your Instagram. Tag me and I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. I'll be back soon with another episode of Dear Founder.